I have. Have my cup of coffee, have my energy drink, my Diet Coke, sausage biscuit, two donut holes, just to get ready for this message. Yeah. We're going to talk about harmony in the marriage. And I want to just share some things with you. Uh, marriage is a pretty amazing thing. A man and his wife had been studying the Bible together, and they read a passage about that you shouldn't let the sun go down on your anger. And so they made a commitment that we're never going to go to bed angry. He was sharing this with one of his buddies and said, well, how's it working for you? He said, well, we hadn't slept in three weeks. <laughs> kind of how marriage is sometimes. It ain't all roses, but it is amazing. It is a, is it a, gift? It is a gift from God. So I want to look at this, 1 Peter 3, and uh, let me read it to you. And I'm going to kind of talk about it as we go. Uh, the thing I want you to get in here, I put this, uh, this quote by Chuck Swindoll. A wedding is one thing, a marriage is something completely different. The wedding day comes once, but boy, the days after, there's no two quite the same. And so we want to talk about how we get there because Peter's trying to talk to the church in the midst of a pagan world that has lost its compass of morality and any kind of real values and virtues, and he's trying to help the Christians stay on course to where they're effective in the world, but also in their own personal lives. And so, guys, this is a word for us today. In the 21st century, we live in that same kind of culture. And so we need to realize what he's trying to say. So here's what he says in verse 1. In the same way, and that means in the same way I've just been talking to you about, hey, guys, remember what we talked about? You need to be uh, respectful of your employers. You respect their position, their authority, and you respond to them. In such a way, okay? You give them a good day's work. He said, you, 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 you submit yourself to employers. Also, you go back and you submit yourself to the government institution and authorities that have been placed there by God for your protection. And so you try to work with the framework of those. He said, in the same way, now, wives, here you go. Wives, you must accept the authority of your husbands, or as the Holman Christian would say, submit to your husbands. I know you're going, gosh, if I had known, I wouldn't have showed up today. <laughs> we got to talk about this because this is a big thing. You see, when the Bible says, and in the Greek it says, uh, that word accept is the same thing. It's a military term. Accept, receive, submit, they all mean the same thing. Same Greek word he used with the government and with the employer. And it's a military term that says you have a rank and file and you fall under it. And, and so he's, but here's, what he, here's the thing. He says, wives, you must, you must do this. Now, when the Bible says you must do something, it is not because God is trying to aggravate you, irritate you, or frustrate you. He's trying to protect you. He's trying to give you the most, the most possible options and opportunities for fulfillment and purpose and joy. And so for you, ladies, he's done something great. He said, I'm actually going to hold the man responsible for the home. And I want you to relax and enjoy the home. 
I, I, he said, you need to do this. As a matter of fact, it's not an option. It's not something, one of many options. You must do this for this to work well. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Because he said, here's what I want you to get. You must accept the authority of your own husband. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lies will speak to them without any words, and they will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. He's not saying do not do that. He's not forbidding it. He's not saying it's a sin. He's okay with cosmetics. The word cosmos is used here, which is where we get the word cosmetics. And, and it's, he said it's okay, but it should not be the primary function of your life. It's to look good on the outside and be ugly on the inside. All right? Here's what he says. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. The first thing I want you to get, wives, respond to your husbands with respect and a gracious spirit because it gives God room to work in your family. That's what he says. Wives, respond to your husbands with respect and a gracious spirit because God will do some amazing work in your family. It may be to your husband, it may be to your children, it may be in you. Maybe all of you, but it begins to work because if you will get out of the way of trying to fix your husband, God will do a better job. Now, I thought the men would say amen. There. Where y'all at, guys? No, yeah, yeah. we ain't saying nothing, preacher. You on your own. We're throwing you under the bus today. When you get home and say, I can't believe that's such a bad message he preached today. <laughs> Darn, I love you. I can't believe he didn't. Now, here's the thing. You respond with respect to your husband. You say, well, I'd do that if he's a believer, if he's really walking with Jesus. doesn't say that. It says, actually, if you will live how you should, and I want to give you two words, attitudes and actions. If your attitude will be that of, of being a follower of his leadership, God will work in his life. He will, he will work in his life. He'll work on your behalf. Just got to get out of the way. Stop trying to fix him. Stop trying to be controlling. Just let God work. Because actually you're not just submitting to him. You're submitting to the God, God who's ordained and uh, established marriage. You're, you're really honoring him. And when you honor him, he does large things in your life. I have been married. Uh, I'll be 39 years come next year. Awesome, awesome wife. Here's what she will tell you. She tells people this all the time when they talk to her. Uh, you say, well, you know, if my husband was right all the time, I'd follow him. Well, nobody's going to be right all the time, okay? And I'm certainly not right all the time. And my wife is far smarter than me. But she has learned, because she'll, she'll, do, she'll, she'll do things, I'll say, we need to do this. She'll say, okay. And she'll say, I don't think it's right. I think it's, I, don't, I just don't get it. It doesn't sound logical or practical. But even when I believe he's wrong, God seems to make it right. And she says, that's why I follow. Now, sometimes that's just how God works. Now, I'm not saying you follow your husband if he's being abusive. He's not giving license for abuse here. Or if he's asking you something contrary to God's will and word, you do not do that. You submit to the higher authority, which is God always. And you don't take abuse. He's not talking about taking abuse. Uh, years and years ago, I had a friend of mine uh, who was in the ministry, and he, the marriage was stressed and had tension, and something happened. He called me up and said, can you come over 
uh, the police are on the way over here. Can you come over here? And I said, yeah, I'll come over and see what's going on, brother. Uh, talking to him, and uh, I got there, and the police were there. And he said, my, my wife called the police to me. I said, really, what would you do? He said, well, I hit her. I said, she should have called the police too. And they're going to take you to jail tonight. And sure to leave you there. Do you figure out what you did? You can't do it. Men, hear me. Men, you never hit a woman. You don't hit a woman. You just don't do that. Uh, let me talk to you that are dating. Because you're beginning to date. You're fixing to form your date in life. And, and you're going to begin to figure out who you like, who you don't like. You never stay with someone who's emotionally or physically abusive. Because they don't change and don't get better. You understand that? What they are today is, unless, unless God does something dramatic in their life, that's kind of how they're going to be. He changes them. So why do you want to do that? I see a lot of, in teenagers and, and college, I see a lot of emotional abuse take place in dating. Why are you putting up with that? You ain't got to put up with that. I tell you, that's not God's will for your life. Physical abuse. Oh, never. Never. So he's not given license for that. Let's move on. But he is saying, you need to have this attitude that says, I'm going to be a follower. I'm going to be a follower. I'm going to follow your lead. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to trust God to work in your life. And he's saying, even, even if he's not a believer, because of your graciousness to him and your respect, God's going to convict the daylights out of him. He is going to be on him and work on him and draw his world to a point that brings him to the cross. God will work. And he'll work in the lives of your children because you'll begin to teach your children how God does things. I know it's not how the world does things. And guys, please, can I... I am so frustrated at, at, at TV shows. If you watch the average sitcom that has to do with family, number one, they're not worth watching. Uh, but it's tragic what they've done to the husband and the dad in a family. They make fun of him. They treat him like he's an imbecile, an idiot, can't make good decisions, not honest. All these things. Can we laugh at it? We think it's funny. It's not funny. We're actually teaching children how to disrespect their parents and their dad. I mean, we say, well, watch this show. Watch that show. That's funny. It isn't funny. They make men look like idiots. It's not funny at all. It's tragic because the word says that husband's supposed to be treated with respect. He's to be honored. When I was a little kid, I mean little, there was a black and white show on TV called Father Knows Best because we didn't have color back then when I was <laughs> that little. Everything was in black and white. Father Knows Best, great show. Today is Father Knows Nothing in Living Color. Very tragic. We raise a generation to think that's how we deal with authority. God, I'm just here to tell you, God will not honor that because it violates his will and plan. And he doesn't do that. So he's saying, if you really want me to have room to work, here's how you do it. Your attitude has got to be that of really willingly following and receiving the authority of your husband. I know there's a lot of books that tell you that's not what you do now. 
this book still works. Just telling, just saying. At least I'll give you something to talk about around the lunch table today. And also he said, your actions, how you behave, how you dress, and, and how you, it's okay to, to certainly look nice and to fix your hair and, and to wear makeup. That's not the problem. The problem is you give more attention to that than your inner life, your inner heart, your walk with God, your, spiritual, your spirit-controlled life you're supposed to live. If you ignore that, and think that good looks are going to get you by, you're deceived. You've got to have someone on the inside. I mean, you've got to have someone on the inside. Uh, You've you got to. Uh, the Lord's got to be working from the inside out on us, that we have this gracious spirit that is in, affirming and encouraging. Uh, your actions, uh, wives, you need to know what your husband's love language is. Is it touch or is it words of affirmation or acts of service or quality time or gifts? What, what is it rings his bell? And you need to be doing that because it's God's gift to you. And you respond by trying to meet his needs. Uh, that's just what we do. And, and as actions begin to, man, it warms his heart. And if he's got a hard heart to God, it'll soften his heart. Give God room to work. Give God room to work. Uh, uh, so that's kind of what you want to do. And you go, well, and, you, and, and just say this. Guys, if you're, if you're dating a girl that's controlling and, and always nagging at you and fussing at you, why are you doing that? I mean, really, let's be honest. Uh, I'm, not, I'm here because I care about you. If I didn't care about you, I'd say, oh, what are you going to do? It's fine. Y'all go do it. But I really do care about what you look like 10 years from now and what your marriage looks like 30 years from now because uh, I, I really think it matters. So, uh, and evidently God thought it matters too because he let Paul and Peter talk about it. Uh, so he said, look, you say, well, if, if, if my husband, and he is the illustration of Sarah and Abraham, and I just need to read that because I, I, I just got to read it because it's just amazing. For instance, verse 6, Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him her master. I don't know how to explain that today. I'm just going to read that. There you go. No, don't call your husband master. That's really that's kind of weird. All right. But, but it is a matter of respect. She respected his, his position. Okay, in that culture it worked. If you do that now, people think you're weird. Uh, uh, you, are, you are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husband might do. Oh. You say, well, if my husband was Abraham, I'd follow him too. Really? Let me tell you about Abraham. Abraham went into Sarah one day and said, you know, God has given me a vision, and we're going to leave this place we've been in all our life with all our wealth. We're going to go to a place I've never seen. Pack your bags. And she said, okay. He and Lot got in a disagreement. They couldn't get along. His nephew Lot and and he said to Sarah, you know, I've thought about this. I'm going to let Lot pick which grazing ground he wants. And, of course, Lot picked the best one. And Sarah said, okay. And then he had to explain one day that God wanted him to sacrifice Isaac as a sacrifice. And she said, okay. But that isn't the hard part. The hard part is that Abraham lied twice about his. He actually passed his wife off because she's very beautiful. And she did use cosmetics. But she was very beautiful and she was passed off as his sister because he was afraid. She had observed that he wasn't perfect. 
that he had moments of fear, that he had moments of bad decisions sometimes. But she followed his lead. Guys, I'm going to tell you, my amazing wife of, I, I, I almost was tempted to take advantage of the fact she's sick today, so she's not here. I could tell all kinds of stories. But uh, of soon to be 39 years. My wife, when I said God's called me to ministry and I'm going to go to New Orleans, she left a house she loved and a state she loved for a place she did not like at all. And, and she did it. I was at a place uh, for 11 years, and she loved the house, and she loved the county, and I asked her to leave to come to a place she didn't know. And she did. And she thought that she wasn't even saved, guys. And I'm telling you, hey, hey, listen to me. She wasn't saved. But she understood what God had put in place. And, and she did things, and she followed. And, and, and here's what I know about men. A woman can make you or break you. The mayor, the mayor, was, uh, the mayor of, a, of a small town was driving down with his wife, and, and they were just talking and having a good time. And he looks over, and, and he saw a guy walking down the street that really just had a, you could tell he was working the minimum wage job, wasn't doing, hadn't, hadn't been successful in life. And he pointed over and said, you used to date him. Aren't you glad you married me? He said, if I'd have married him, he'd have been the mayor. I'm just here to tell you. <laughs> Women, God's given you a vital place in the family that's incredible. Do not believe the lies of a pagan culture and think it's going to work for you. It is not. It is not. Well, Now that I have moved, let me, let me move on to the men. And let me say this. This is how well God knows us, all right? If you ever wonder the Bible really divinely inspired, he inspired Peter to write six verses to women and only one to men. He really knows us. You say, why is that? Because women use more words than men do. They like long conversation. Men don't. And God said, okay, Peter, write these six verses to the women and then just give one to the men. And the women are going, that doesn't seem fair. How come they, we got five times more? What's this verse is pretty powerful. Because God bottom lines it pretty well for men. Here's what he says. In the same way, uh, in the same way, going back in the same way, 3-1, in the same way with the government, same way with the employer, in the same way that you respond to authority and receive authority designed and delegated by God, then, then you go, in the same way, you husbands must give honor, and there's that word must, not on a good day, not when she's looking good, not when things are great, but you must every day give her honor, give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. 
She may be weaker than you. That's talking about the physical aspect. Not un- but she is your equal partner in the God's gift of new life. Man, we're all equal in God. We're co-heirs with Jesus, man. We're all equal. Treat her as you should. Watch. So your prayers will not be hindered. Now, for the women, he says, you, you work with your husband, you follow your husband, you respect and his authority, and I'll work in your life. You'll see me work. Now, to the men, he says, here's the deal. You, tweet, you treat your wife right, I'll hear your prayers. If you don't, I won't. That's pretty simple. He bottom lined it pretty good. The second thing I want you to know, husbands, treat your wives with value and honor. It will improve your walk with God. Guys, I want to give you three words. And jot these down. How does that look like? What does that look like? Number one, you need to engage in life with your wife. I know we're married. You say we're married. We live under the same roof. You know, we got the same kids. We got the same objective. That's great, but that's not engaging. Engaging means you will treat her as a priority in your scheduling, in your finances, in your life decisions. You engage in her. You you engage in her uh, emotionally. You need to let her just sometimes unload her emotional wagon on you. Women communicate on four levels. Men communicate on one. You got to sit there and engage sometimes when they got to get through all four. It may take hours. Days. Don't matter. Hey, don't matter. You got to sit there and go, I'm here for you. I'm listening. I'm listening. Engage in them emotionally. It's okay if they cry. Don't tell them don't cry. Why don't you start crying? That's, going to get, that's not going to work for you. Let them let, engage them emotionally. Engage in them intellectually. Value their opinions and ideas. Hey, listen to them. Sometimes women read people better than men do. I, I'm just telling you. Um, that's just, you got to know that. And, and engage in them physically. That's obvious. Give them attention, affection, intimacy, and then engage in them spiritually. Help them grow. Grow together in Christ. That's huge. And if we don't, if the problem is, if we don't, if we get too busy doing everything else, we don't engage with our wife in daily life, we lose ground. We lose ground. Can't afford to lose ground. So you got to engage. You got to you got to be involved in the family. It's great that you put a roof over their head and food on the table and clothes on their back, but you got to be there. The second thing is understand. Live with your wife in an understanding way. I know that is like, Lord, that's a who can. Uh, how do you understand them sometimes? Because y'all are complicated. God made you that way. Yeah. Uh, but here's what, here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. You need to understand your wife's love language and meet it. Is it touch? Is it words of affirmation? Is it gifts? Is it 
acts of service or quality time, and you do that. You need, you need to know that, 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 that you know kind of what makes her boat flow, man. You need to know, she needs to know that you really know her and that you care about her and you understand her dreams and her desires. And a part of that love that loving the bride like Christ loved the church and loving like, is the fact that you're willing to sacrifice for her life to be what it should be. That's what he did for us. And then you treasure her. You value her. If you engage, understand, and treasure, your prayers can be very effective. If not, they won't. And I can't afford to go without effective prayer. Get slaughtered. You treasure. That means you treat her, you value her as fine china. We have a china cabinet at the house, and we have china that we got when we were married. And every once in a while, my wife will say, let's take out the china. And I get fear and trembling comes all over me. Because <sighs> I'm scared to death I'm going to break something. Because all you got to do is bump china and it chips. You just bump it and it chips. Well, I'll get those things out ever so carefully. I don't stack them. I carry them one at a time. I will not put them in the dishwasher because my luck, a spoon will get loose and break everything in the dishwasher. I just don't take the chance. I hand wash. You say, why are you doing that? Because my wife told me to. Not that hard. Take care of those things. I'll take care of them. And, you know, and because she's good to me, my wife has, has, has done everything I've told her to do. Now, I've had to change my mind two or three times before we got there, but, you know, she she's did that. But I want you to know, guys, it's really, listen to me, this is important. How we treat our wife determines the strength of our walk with God. I mean, we, we can't afford to be out of sync with God. Not today. The devil will eat your lunch. He'll take you and wear you out. And I want to say something again because I know you're, the kids are getting, the young people and you're single, you're going, well, I'm, why did I show up today? Because I just want to give you one word because I want to encourage you. That someday you're going to really want to get married. Probably not today because you've looked at Dayton Pool and going, there ain't no way. But you know, some of you are going to say, I want to get married. And some of you might not have been dating yet, and that's really good. Uh, some of you are, and that's cool. Never. You need to make sure that a young man, I've talked about the, the women earlier, but now I'm talking about the young man needs to show you respect. If he doesn't show you respect, you need to show him the door. Amen. I mean, really. You, you need to value yourself. You need to respect yourself. If he is going to take advantage of you and if he is going to treat you with dishonor, you need to show him the door. If he is deceptive and inhonest, why are you wasting your time? That ain't going to change. I've been doing this for a long time. I've watched the casualties of the dating life and, and you date and you marry somebody and your heart's broken, your life's destroyed because you, you really, you guys think you can change guys. You can't. 
if they're not where they should be now, I'm going to help you out. Turn them loose and let God deal with them. If he changes them, maybe they'll come back to you. But you've got to trust him with that. Just understand. Pay attention before you get to the altar for the wedding day. Because a marriage is something different. I'm going to give you a little bit of work. I, I, want, to, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to write down three or four qualities you appreciate in your spouse this week. Three or four. That you appreciate. And then I want you to share them with her or him. And so here's, I've been praying about this and I've been asking God, because God will do something in your heart when you do that incident. It's going to be a neat spiritual moment. Three or four things I really, uh, and and some of you guys for extra credit, if you say, I did five or six, did four more than the pastor asked. Get extra credit. But uh, just write down some things you appreciate. Don't say you ain't got time. That's wrong. Uh, don't, don't say you're too busy. That's wrong. Write it down. And then, and then, and then, I want you to write down one thing you would like to change in how you respond to your spouse. Now, let me repeat that because I don't want you to list four things you want to change in your spouse. That's not what I said. I want you to write down the one thing you want to change in how you respond to your spouse. Somehow you need to grow spiritually in. Do better. Ask God to help you to do better and help change and, and help you, okay? Because I think that's incredible. I think that's incredible. And you say, Pastor, sometimes our, our marriage probably isn't what it needs to be and we seem to be struggling. Let me share some with you. Why don't you find your couple that's proved the test of time and say, can we hang with you and talk to you a little bit and let you mentor us? Mm. A lot to be learned from people who've gone the journey. Oh, you need to know. I shared this sermon this morning, and one of our young ladies came to me and said, "Look, I'm getting married in a in a, in a few weeks, and I had no idea some about this stuff. Will you do marriage counseling with us?" I'm like, "Delighted." I'm telling you, this is the real world. I'm telling you about now. This ain't what you see on TV. It's real world. Some days are tough. Some days are hard. The devil tries to beat you to death in your own family. He'll use your kids, your husband, your wife. He cheats. He lies. He don't care. We got to be smart in how we do life. Be gentle. I'll I'll close this last story. In my church, before I came here, I had a young couple, beautiful young couple. Had their first child and I think it's about like three years old and, uh, or about four and and we had visited them and, and they had visited the church we went and they, they, they weren't churched and uh i said man we like your church but you know we don't know what to do with a four-year-old and i said i tell you what we're gonna start children's church next sunday <laughs> yeah yeah i went back and said we gotta start children's church next sunday got a couple that they don't they can't hear the gospel you know they need to be saved we gotta start children's church and we did we had children's church up and running and, and uh it's kind of amazing but anyway they came and after about four weeks, this, this, this lovely mother and wife came forward and gave her heart to Jesus during the invitation. 
and she, she, she's talking, and I'm sharing with her after the counseling with her, and, and she said, what do I do about my husband? He's not saved. I said, let me tell you what you don't. You don't go home preach to him. Do not go preach to him. Don't nag him. Don't fuss at him about church. Just go home and love him. Just love him. Just minister to him. And she did. And three months later, and she was so sweet, gentle, and three months later at a children's musical at Christmas, the boy gives his heart to Jesus. He got saved, and he's going, man, yeah, and, he, and, and they today are a great couple. They've weathered the storms, or they've had two of their children die in the same car wreck. They, their life has been changed many ways, but they're an awesome couple today, still loving Jesus, still going strong. And the one thing she said, I remember what you told me. Have a gentle spirit with my husband. She said, well, these years I've tried to do that. That same Sunday, another lady came forward. She was saved. And she asked the same question, what do I do? Because my husband's not saved. I said, I want you to go home. Be, don't preach at him. Don't holler at him. Don't scream at him. Don't push him. Don't control him. Be gentle. She goes home that very day and says, the pastor said, you're going to hell. <laughs> yeah, threw me under the bus right away. Week after week, she'd pound on him, holler at him, fuss at him because he wouldn't go to church with her and all this kind of stuff. Two years passed, no decision. Then finally on a Thursday night, he gave his heart to Jesus during revival. And, and you know, it was great. God saved him. But it was a long journey. And the sad thing is she didn't learn because she kept harassing him and trying to control him and fuss at him and And today, they're not married. It's tragic. It's tragic. The book really is right. Don't matter what the world says. It's not popular. But it is profound eternally and practically. 